Elder abuse is increasingly recognised as a far-reaching problem affecting people worldwide. Most definitions of elder abuse focus on interpersonal relationships. However, an analysis article in the BMJ argues that a wider issue is that processes and attitudes in healthcare systems also contribute to a form of abuse, system abuse. I'm Navjoit Lada, analysis editor, and I'm joined now by two of the authors of the article. We have Yolanda Lindenberg from Leiden Academy of Vitality and Aging in the Netherlands and Rudy Westendorp, Professor of Medicine at Old Age at the Department of Public Health at the University of Copenhagen. Hi, Yolanda. Hello. Hi, and hi, Rudy. Ah, thank you very much for, uh, for this conversation. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Um, now, to start with, we'll just start with some definitions. Um, what is elder abuse and how is it currently defined? So, elder abuse, well, there's a variety of definitions and, and that's one of the issues actually in the elder abuse field. But the most commonly used definition is the uh, definition of the WHO, so the World Health Organization, which is a, a single or repeated act or lack of appropriate action occurring within any relationship where there's an expectation of trust which causes harm or distress to an older person. Okay, and um, one of the things, I mean, the thing that you draw out in your article is that these definitions tend to focus on interpersonal relationships, but actually you've done some work that suggests that this this definition probably doesn't encompass enough of um, what elder people are experiencing. So... Um, can we talk about your work? It was looking at the attitudes of older people in the Netherlands. Um, what did you do and what did you find? Well, what we did was we did a, a rather large qualitative study uh, in diverse groups that have that are normally involved in uh, detecting, signaling, but also um, experiencing older uh, elder abuse. Um, so the qualitative study consists of focus groups. So these are smaller discussion groups that circle around teams. And uh, we had uh, various, well, quite a large number of interviews and some more preliminary uh, observation of practices of how people deal with elder abuse. Everybody thinks about abuse uh, being an act between two persons, let's say one being the perpetrator and the other being the victim. But while you go through it and you have these interviews with these individuals, you do realize, and that's what you know, because that is known from the scandals also, that you are also going one step higher in the organization because people tend to work to each, uh, with each other and sometimes, let's say, there is a kind of institutional abuse and that is the first level. And uh, we know that from the scandals, as I said. And then, and that is, let's say, the, the topic of this paper, when you talk about, let's say, the scandals in the institution, you do realize that there is even a higher level, of, that there is this kind of societal level, that, 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 that it is almost permissive, let's say, that certain acts of abuse are acting. And it is the variety of these levels that is really one of the heart of, of is in the heart of the, this paper. You mentioned the scandals and um, particularly some of those ones that are within the NHS. Um, is this an issue that is specific to the NHS or does it go on 
in healthcare systems around the world? I, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. It's, it's maybe particular to how we organize our systems. But if you look at healthcare systems worldwide, they tend to use kind of this, at least nowadays, especially in, in OECD countries, uh, to use the same kind of measures to uh, create efficiency and cost effectiveness and these kind of things. So I, I, I don't think it's a particular issue to the NHS um, I think um, we've then seen at least similar cases in the Netherlands as well, and uh, I'm pretty sure in Sweden and in the U.S. it's been it's been quite similar. And I'm sure that if I would dig into the literature a little bit more, there will be a lot more countries coming up with this. And I think part of that is to do with how we organize our care, which is kind of taking ideas from each other, um, which creates these kind of what we call permissive factors in the institutions that can lead to abuse. I see. Okay. And um, what were the themes that emerged um, from these quali- from this qualitative work? Um, well, that depends on which which kind of group you look at. But in the paper, we really focused on older people. And what really emerged in both the interviews of the non-abused as well as the um, abused older persons was that there is this dimension which goes beyond kind of the relationship between uh, one individual to another and where they experience abuse and neglect uh, without it actually being identifiable who is exactly the perpetrator. And these experiences, they're not part or they don't really fit the current definition of elder abuse. We know that elder abuse is quite often within, let's say, the family relation, but sometimes also people really feel abused or are actually abused by professionals, um, say a nurse or a doctor. And then, let's say, the level is okay, but let's say, it, it is not only that one, but let's say, the, the, the elders say, yeah, but it's the, the whole group, they all do it. So then you come to the institutional level, and then sometimes you also hear, let's say, the older people saying, yeah, but yeah, but I can't blame them, really. So then it is that, that even, let's say, the abused people, they go to the higher level and they say, yeah, but they are also part of the system and they act, uh, they behave like that because, let's say, they, they have to, because they are victim of, let's say, the system. And this is, let's say, exactly the point that we want to make here. It is, let's say, it is systemized. The way, the way all the people are handled. Right. So you put forward um, this idea of system abuse, um, meaning that the healthcare systems have um, processes, attitudes and changes that um, in some way uh, exclude or abuse older people. Is that right? That's right. It's not somewhat. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We can't be, let's say, sober on this. Let's say it is, let's say, it is the downside of, let's say, the. on the one hand, we make progress in the medicine. But we have to open our eyes that, let's say, there are costs. And this is part of where, let's say, we see that the the way we are making progress within medicine in our organization. And again, let's say the prime example is the digitalization. Let's say that it's good for for you and for me, let's say the general BMG reader, but not for frail older people. We are abusing them. It, It is beyond neglect because, let's say, they have downside effects of it. Right. I mean, what can we do about it then? 
Well, one of the first things to do is to include older people as kind of participant and, and really involve them in when we develop new things for healthcare or when we uh, change our institutions or uh, when we develop policies for, for elder abuse, they are very rarely included in the things that we develop, whereas they're kind of our prime and, and the majority of our patients are older people. Um, so why not um, fully include them as, as participants? I think that's the... the the most important and the very first step that we have to take. And it sounds so simple. <laughs> and it sounds so simple. And that is perhaps, let's say, the most ugly type of, 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 of abuse. It is that simple and it is that logic, but we don't do it. I'm, I'm practicing medicine for almost uh, 30 years and I've been departmental head. And let's say, I know that we talk about older people. We talk about patients and definitely we talk about older people. We don't talk with them, let alone that they are part of our organizational systems, how to make our institution work. It is that simple, but it is not, let's say, practice. Yeah. I think some of the other solutions would be more, um, so I think having older people as participants in the whole process of um, inventing and, and and developing healthcare is one thing, but another thing could be to really look at okay, what what is what does does um, system abuse constitute? Like, what does what does wrongdoing mean for an older person? How does he or she experience um, the healthcare process he they are going through? Um, what can we improve from the viewpoint of this older person, not just from uh, ideas about efficiency or uh, ideas about um, pure curative outcomes. What What is important to this older person? So that's another uh, measure you could take. And then uh, we need to also look at the different levels of governance within healthcare and how they are situating and positioning older people. Um, and what kind of effects does this have in the care process for an older person? Is that really, I mean, are the effects of that really um, the outcomes we want for older person and is it are it outcomes that are valued by older persons so that could be another level of um, of taking measures against system abuse I just wanted to ask if you know of any examples of places which are involving older people in the design and running of their services um, yes um, I, can, I can provide you with let's say at least two examples um, in the Netherlands in a huge program and that's called taking care of older people that was intended to re yeah, rearrange let's say the healthcare system towards let's say, the the demographic change that is happening now getting let's say the needs of let's say the the, the the patients as crystal clear as possible but also in the solutions and this program was running for four years and it was implemented let's say the stakeholder involvement at every layer it was in the programming of itself, it was in the execution of the solutions, it was in, in, in stakeholder meetings everywhere. And the overall result of that is that we came out with a different suite of solutions that we have, have ever thought before. Okay, I mean the involvement of um, patients and the public in the design of research, in the design of healthcare systems, 
um, at the journal, we're, we're trying to involve um, patients more as well. Um, but one of the things that we're always struck by is how you make that meaningful and kind of move beyond just a sort of token token view mm-hmm. essentially and also how you can empower those who are involved um to have a voice and speak up because often the dynamic of relationships is you know if it's looking at a traditional doctor patient relationship it can be yeah. difficult for a patient to speak up and really give their their full view um i don't know if that's something you would have experienced in the work that you've done i mean i think that would be i'm guessing particularly an issue for for older adults as well uh, one of the biggest issues is is that you give value to whatever they are saying. That that's one of the starting points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, it sounds very easy. I know, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, I, I like your I like your response because the the, the key thing is let's say that what, do I uh, you see let's say the people pondering about it is it is it really that serious? Do I do I have to take it serious? And the answer is yes. That is what I. Uh, if you go into this process and you just see it as, yeah, okay, we listen to them, but but we don't do anything with it, okay, yeah, then you, you can just stop. You have to be bloody serious about it. And if they say no, all the people, all the adults, this is not what we want, okay, then that's the answer. Yeah. And that was the most difficult thing. And I know prime examples from researchers where... The, 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 the grant process, uh, the granting of, of new, uh, new bits and pieces, some of them, they were stopped by all the people and they went mad. They, 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 they said, let's say, but this is ridiculous. But it isn't. Mm. Yeah, the thing, I think science in general, but also healthcare institutions have yeah. tried to involve patients more and more and also older people. But it's been a really hard process to um, actually give them a place in the, in the restructuring. And I think one of the things we should do is to involve them early on and not just to reflect on that, that what is already there. So it should be more of an iterative process. Um, and for for the approach towards older people, and I think any kind of layperson in general, uh, you do need to have a very open start um, and not just come up with the ideas that, that are already there because that's not really including older people. That's just um, giving kind of a, uh, a ready-made thing through older people which they can respond to, but it's something entirely different from actually including them. Uh, so I think that's that's one starting point to start early on by involving older people and to make it an iterative process. And one of the key, I, I think, but yeah, I'm a bit biased, of course, because I'm an anthropologist, is to start off with very open questions instead of uh, closed questions, because by giving them definite uh, questions or definite packages that are already there, they don't really have the opportunity to to really voice their ideas or opinions. And um, people need to feel comfortable that whatever they say, at least in the initial phase, is good enough, is something which is valued, is something which can be considered. So I think that should be a good starting point. Yeah, but, but let me uh, let me emphasize that it is part, this is what you have just described is your professional skill, Yolanda. <laughs> and um, that's why you are an anthropologist. You can listen to, to other people without judging immediately. And, I, and at this point I bring 
let's say, the discussion back to our paper again, because we also addressed, let's say, the, the, the item of ageism, let's say, that was introduced by Robert Butler uh, a couple of decades ago, and let's say that is ageism, huh, that the, the process of systematic stereotyping and discriminating just because people are older. And I, I know that, and, and I, I hear it already in between the lines when we, we're talking about it, it's so difficult to, yeah, to, to get older people, older adults into, let's say, this negotiation, this discussion, in the, let's say, this reflecting on, on, let's say, new developments or research or whatever. But it isn't. What's, I, I have never appreciated any difficulties with it unless you do not have an open mind. Great. Well, that um, seems like a good point to, um, to, for us to conclude. You know, keep an open mind and, yeah, I guess ask the question. That's the important, the important um, point. Yeah. Ask the open question first. Exactly. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> the open question. Yolanda and Rudy, thank you so much for speaking to us today. You're very welcome. Thank you. Um, thank you very much. You've been listening to Yolanda Lindenberg and Rudy Westendorp and their paper, Listening to the Voices of Abused Older People, Should We Classify System Abuse, is now available on the bmj.com.